Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast with myself, Cody Rich. This feed is home to the best elk hunting podcast that I've done over the last seven years. And if you want to be a better elk hunter, then you're in the right place. If you want the blueprint that I developed after interviewing hundreds of the best elk hunters in the world and 20 plus years of my own hunting experience, check out my new Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a framework to give you a step-by-step system that you can build off of for finding elk, getting close to elk, and killing elk without getting lucky. This is not the end-all, be-all course. If you're a 101 level, no no expertise, no elk knowledge, do not take this course. Uh, this is zero fluff. It's my four-step system, right? So it's going to be over a few, a few of you guys' heads, but honestly, this is such a great framework to build off of. Check it out. Link in the show notes. All right, buddy. Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday. Rex, what's going on, man? I, you've never been on my podcast, have you? Nope. Oh, I'm an asshole. I see how it is. <laughs> or, you're not, or you're super smart. <laughs> and this done if you air it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, you, you haven't been on until I air it. So you could still, like, strike out. Yeah, which, if that happens, that probably won't be a surprise. Dude, are you using... The backcountry fuel box is noise dampeners, or is this just where you store your stuff? No, I am. You should see my ghetto, fabulous podcast studio right now because, uh, actually, I got that's what my plan is all weekend is to fix the new podcast studio. But we got the new backcountry fuel warehouse, and I have a podcast studio in the warehouse. But it sounds like garbage because there's nothing in this room. So I had to stack up boxes everywhere in order to kind of make it sound halfway decent get the acoustics going with the cardboard yeah it actually works pretty good it's a little echoey still but yeah so that's my actually the plan this weekend i gotta do a bunch of stuff i'm gonna put in some tin put in some like wood um all kinds of stuff sound stuff so sweet yeah that's what i'm working on how about you you ready for elk season yet oh yes i need to uh do the whole tear the pack apart um make sure i got everything lined out pack wise but uh as far as top three areas that i'm be hunting that's all lined out um pretty you, confident in all that dude you've been scouting much or what on foot yeah not uh i don't have as many cameras hung as i had last year um which is kind of annoying is it's in the back of my head but uh <laughs> i don't know i just i've been running around the woods doing fun stuff i had my dog with me quite a bit and been fishing a lot this summer. I'm I feel pretty ready. I'm I'm not panicked. I could probably in the next couple August weeks get some real scouting in, hang a couple cameras that I'll probably leave hung through the season. But I feel pretty good. So is that like what's your normal scout routine look like? Are you spend a lot of time? Because like in I would say in years past I would spend less time scouting. I'm usually uh, you know busy busy. It depends on depends on the area, but like for the most part, I feel like I could show up to a hunt um, that I, at least in an area I know, and not have to scout it. Do you spend most? You spend a lot of time scouting in the summer. No, and I it's mostly something I talk about more than I actually do. <laughs> I like I like to scout, but it's usually a hundred degrees, and I'd rather be fishing or on the river or yeah. doing something. I don't know. I don't think like scouting to me isn't super fun scouting uh mule like deer is a whole different story for me i enjoy because that overlaps with the season though you're actually hunting for me yeah. you know I'm, I'm if i'm scouting deer i'm pattering them you know through 
general and I'm patterning them for the rut. I'm mostly scouting does, which is yeah. weird, but I do that. But as far as elk goes, like my cameras, I, I usually have, if I can, two to three hung. Like last two seasons, I've had two to three cameras hung, and I let the cameras do the scouting as far as boots. on. I don't have a ton of boots on the ground. Um, I hunt a couple areas with like high mountain lakes, but uh, so I can maybe incorporate a little fishing. Yeah. I, I, like rationalize like fishing or doing something fun you got four wheelers driving by yeah yeah i actually do it on a mini bike is it that's funny yeah so rex lives out outside of missoula pretty sweet place uh out in the country so you're sitting on his porch for everyone listening and uh nice summer montana day yeah i i was thinking this was maybe gonna be the safe quiet bet if it were up to me i'd be in the shop but I didn't think my internet connection was go through the sheet metal and all that away mm. from the house. So yeah, in the man cave. I don't know out there. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is a rookie move, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I came out here on my porch. Gator's inside. Hopefully it won't bark or anything, but um, yeah. But I mean, as far as scouting goes, like I said, I'm more of like a scouting poser. I talk about it more than I actually go do it. <laughs> Dude, I think – so I've had this argument that uh, cameras are worthless. Like – do you find use in cameras? If you want me to dive in, like how I killed my bull last year, I'll do it. Cause <laughs> I'll do it. I swear by the the one camera that actually showed me results um, was why I killed my bull last year. Okay, do tell. I'm curious. Because I still, for the most part, argue that uh, cameras are worthless. Okay, well, maybe to an extent. I don't know. I would say the same thing. I did it more for entertainment and a yeah. reason to get back in the woods like oh, i gotta go pull that camera yeah in the in last year's case i was gonna be hunting a really remote area to be going in on foot and really high too and i knew that there was elk in there um it was a two-day hunt no matter what um i never hunted it on sundays because i'd have to go to work on monday and i wanted to make sure if i got something down it was a saturday so i'd have two days to get it out but anyway um, I hung a camera in there and I left it for a month and I went in, uh, a week prior to archery opener and pulled it. And the, what was on it was not impressive. I wasn't that stoked on what I saw because it was pretty respectable bulls and a lot of cows, which normally would make you happy, but they were only in there every four days. And at first I didn't, I didn't like really look at the images on the camera and look at the date stamps and everything i was just like you know yeah there's that there's elk activity in here it's a nice area but they're not in here every single day and the cameras that i'd hung in the past there was activity on it every day whether it was a bear deer or an elk i had cool pictures every day and so this one at first ah you know not a single bear and there's supposed to be a ton of bears in there i see sign everywhere didn't see a single bear no coyote nothing it was just like just elk and it was every four days and I didn't realize it was every four days till I got home and was kind of looking at this one specific bull that I liked. It wasn't the one I ended up killing, but it was a cool bull. And I was looking at the timestamp because he was with a bunch of – it was a bachelor herd of bulls that had come through. And I, I just started doing the math. And I'm like, damn, you know, this is every four days like clockwork. And so I looked up a few articles on guys that some guys put out from like Colorado because I'm hunting not Colorado elevations like 10,000, but I'm hunting – 79 to 8,500 feet. So pretty high coming from what well, we're sitting in Missoula Valley's 3,500. Mm -hmm. So vertical 
feet wise, we're up there. And so I started just Googling some stuff to see why these elk weren't, cause it's like, I'm hunting a lush bench with multiple little pocket, not even wallows, like standing two, two foot water, um, ponds. Yeah. And some of that, some of the ponds would like seep down to each other. And so the elk would wallow in, in like the little tributaries that the creeks would flow, you know, pond to pond. It's just a textbook, you know, high country elk area, which I loved, but they weren't hanging out on this one bench. Cause it's just a, a sweet, like flat, uh, quarter section bench um at probably seven thousand feet in like at the base at the base of this huge bowl and so when i started doing some reading i started you know seeing you know seeing some things that would maybe correlate with what i was seeing as far as every four days like what oh just guys seeing uh specific behavior but they were just talking about it. they weren't giving me any reason mm. why yeah, like yeah. okay well okay so elk are doing this yeah and then I picked up this book, which was funny because I just – I used to read this book all the time when I was a kid. It's just called The Elk Hunter. My dad gave it to me. Um, and it was written, you know, Western United States, Washington, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. Yeah. Um, it was primarily like pack string guys, guys that were packing in. And they were going deep and far. And they said – there's a full chapter on it and I read it. And it's crazy because it just totally confirmed everything that I was wondering. Um herds that find a consistent wind in like a bowl so say a week-long wind pattern at that seven say at seven thousand feet it was hunting was was blowing north to south hitting the face of that bowl and wrapping around back south in like making a certain and this is speculation but man i mean i ended up killing a bull so there may there's probably fact to it it was hitting that bowl that is a south-facing bowl and basically looping around. And so what the the chapter said is these elk will find that consistency of wind and feed into that wind into their face and just follow it. And if it's a slow, like kind of just consistent breeze, not like a heavy wind, mm-hmm. it take a week, you know, a week to a few days for them to come back to the original spot that they started. Interesting. Yeah, I know. It was crazy because I like I read that a lot of couple days prior to the season because i'm like how am i gonna hunt this i don't really want to go in there and just get ghosted no elk in there i could probably turn up something but it's not gonna be on that bench that i wanted to hunt i wanted to kill a bull on this bench because it's just it's gorgeous and so i'm like okay my wind pattern if that's what we're going on is every four days and so i looked at my calendar and i'm like okay pulled the camera to that day there were elk on it the day prior one two three four mark the calendar one, two, three, four. And I did it throughout the season. And the, every fourth day kept landing like a mid, midday or a mid work week, like a Wednesday or like yeah. a Tuesday. I couldn't get in there. Like I had some time off, but I wanted to wait for the peak. And finally, the, the rotation of the fourth day landed on a Saturday, the 22nd of September. And I'm like, hey, it's go time. That Friday night, I'm going to pack in and um, I'm going to just camp on the ridge before I have to drop down. Because I was really cool is you could peek over the rim of this bowl down into that bench and see a lot of stuff. And so I was like, I'm going to camp back from that first light. I'm going to peek over. Ended up not getting organized enough. Um, <laughs> and I just went in, at, at, in the dark in the morning. Yeah. And um, I was kind of worried because I was like, man, if anyone else hunts this, you know, it's been a lot of time. This, this drainage can get blown out easy. Like yeah. basically one or two guys messing around there, they're going to bump up and over 
um, into the wilderness or farther into the wilderness because I'm hunting a wilderness area and get in there first light even later than I wanted like 8:30 so it's it's pretty light and I peek over and I hear like four bulls going oh wow and yeah normally you'd be like oh sweet I was right yeah let's do this but I was like sad I thought some I thought a pack train had snuck in from the a farther there's a nice clean way of getting in there if you're coming in on horses and yeah. I just go uh, just an ugly hard way on foot and so I thought I'm like that meant that much vocality as far as elk talking I'm like there's gotta, gotta be, be people there's gotta be a person and I'm glassing and then I just see a six-point bull chuckle across this meadow and I'm like all right well <laughs> there's one for sure <laughs> kept torching I see one wallowing I'm like oh my gosh they're right there they're going so I had two guys with me my friend Jace who wanted to film he, he actually filmed with me the very first time he heard like elk bugle or anything was the season prior watched me miss a gorgeous bowl with my recurve. The first <laughs> missed with my bow. He's filming over my shoulder the year prior. He's back with me. He doesn't know what like a slow day in the elk woods is. It's the second time he's been hunting with me and it's pandemonium. Like, <laughs> Spoiled. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then my friend Nick who has, who he had a bow, he was going to hunt too. So I, I had two guys with me and I'm all excited and I drop off the rim into the bowl that they're in and I get 20 yards down and the wind just smashes the back of my neck. And I'm like, ugh. And so I, you know, <laughs> dive to my right, like 40 yards and it got good again. So I'm like, all right, sweet. Keep chipping my way down towards them and the wind switches and it's just horrible. You know, you, you get that ridge, weird spin drift wind yeah. and it just kept switching. And if you were watching me through like a spotting scope, I'm just like damn near jogging, sprinting across <laughs> the face of this bowl, trying to play the wind to where I don't get busted. So I dropped down probably, I don't know, 100 feet in, in uh, elevation above where the elk are hanging out on this flat bench. And the wind just all of a sudden just goes whoosh straight up and it gets perfect. Like it, everything you would ever want. I'm like, all right, sweet. And so I just like, I'm, I haven't touched a call. I barely even glassed. I can see everything with my naked eye. It's all, I mean, I could have dumped one with my rifle at 600, <laughs> uh, you know, as a crow fly 600 yards straight down hill in this meadow and i just it took me an hour of playing the wind to get down there so then it's like that high elevation whippy like scrub trees you know those subalpine little yeah you know and uh then it turns to nice mature like dug fir and some lodgepole mixed in with those pocket meadows so it's like textbook what you want so i slip in and i knock an arrow because it's just like i I'm wanting to, I was hoping to get to an edge of the meadow and just sit and wait and see what they're doing. Maybe coax one my way. Maybe have Nick back up into the timber. Maybe do a challenge bugle just because there's so many cows and they're all just chirping, constant cow talk. So I didn't think any like, even an estrus mew, I don't think would do anything. I honestly didn't want to touch my call. I just wanted to sit and hopefully there's so many elk running around that if they don't win, I get an opportunity. And I make it a hundred yards into that dug for and a calf cow just blows up in front of me uh, 15 yards just straight straight away from me i'm looking at the back of her head and then i just hear crash crash all around me i walk like straight and i'm walking slow and i walk straight in the herd so i just grab my bugle tube i got carabiner to my hip and just screamed like the gnarliest challenge bugle right at the back of her head i got an arrow knocked and I don't have time to even put my bugle tube down at my hip, and I see tines of this bull coming at me. 
And, you know, what's funny is I, when I practice, like I shoot my recurve, my shot cadence is probably like half a second, 1.5 seconds, just like draw, find my spot, anchor point, release, like quick. I don't like to hold a draw like a normal person. It sucks. But I, I watch the video and I, I hold my draw for probably like six seconds. It was like a compound. Guy, <laughs> see this bull coming in broadside at like 15 yards and I immediately draw and his vitals and everything's just covered by brush. And I'm sitting there holding my draw. And I don't remember doing this like in the moment, but I watched the film and I'm like watching myself just holding this draw at full draw with my recurve. And he steps clear of the brush and I give him one chirp. And he, right when I release, he starts a bugle and I, I smoke him mid bugle. Oh, he, dude. It was just like that. And he just smacked him and he just stopped jumped sideways and just like was looking around enough to where I knocked another arrow and I was going to hit him again. And he looks right. I guess my friend Nick was back there and he looked right at Nick. He's got flaming red hair. And boom, he <laughs> just takes off. And I'm like, you know, dang it. Not another. I, I wanted to get another arrow in him if I could. I mean, I felt great about the shot. He was a little quartered to put it right behind his shoulder. And so he takes off through the timber and we're listening and it was 30 seconds after my shot and we your <laughs> crash then nothing except for the bulls that were still torching off like 200 yards away which is pretty cool but so we sit there for like 10 minutes i'm just losing it rubber legs i'm like i'm pretty sure i just did it and uh walk over and i got a complete like diagonal pass through so i shot him hugged the shoulder right behind the his right shoulder and it came out probably his back rib, and I got a full pass through, and my arrow was just laying there, soaked. And uh, how far of a shot was it? It's probably 15, 15 yards, I think. Oh dang, Eight, dude, that's close. Twenty, yeah, maybe twenty. Like it was, it's pr pretty much everything you'd want, you know. If you had yeah. a comp, you'd throw all your pins on it, and you're killing him. <laughs> it, it it was just everything you'd ever want to fall in your lap as far as an elk hunt goes. Yeah, and. Uh, so yeah, I I saw he's just spraying out both sides. He was like pouring out one side. This is kind of cool. Uh, one side he like had that you know that pink mist on the on the brush, like the huckleberry brush, and then on the other side was like someone's dumping out a water bottle of blood on oh, the other side. Dude, that's insane. So it was like one of those. It was one of those blood trails where I'm not like crawling hands and knees. I'm just like taking giant strides, glancing at the ground, and just like looking up, waiting to see him and. It was maybe 45 yards, and I came over this little rise. Actually, I said, I said, okay, this, it was probably a half hour. Like, it wasn't a super long time to wait, but a half hour. Yeah. And uh, I was like, look, I'm going to get to the edge of this little rise, and I'm going to peek over. And if I don't see him, I'm going to stop and sit down for another half hour. <laughs> Classic. <got> Classic. <laughs> I'm just going to go to where he was standing, and then and then we'll wait again. <laughs> uh, that's where he jumps up and takes off. But, yeah. Oh, I – I got to the edge of that, that little rise, and he was dead 20 yards on the other side. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. But, yeah, going back to trail cams, and if they work, it's, you know, probably in that case it was how you read them and how you decipher what they mean. Um, Which is crazy because in my experience, like most of the time, most of the times I've had it is when I had trail cameras by, say, September 1st, nothing's on them. But – yeah, dude, that's an epic hunt. But yeah, in my experience, like, man, most of the times I use cameras that they just, like, everything's gone by the time I, it's season. 
So like they'll work, but then habits change. Yeah. So when I checked that camera and I figured out, um, you know, the every fourth day thing, I left that camera in there. I didn't pull it. So I deleted the card or I downloaded the card and I left it. And so when I was breaking down my bowl, I sent my friend Jace who's filming. I was like, Hey, you want to go pull that camera? Cause he knew where, he checked it with me first time. So he knew where it was. He went and got it and it, I mean, they stayed consistent. Really? Like, every fourth day? It, it was every fourth day. It was insane. So like every, people who are listening to this don't, I mean, if you're seeing the same trend, don't ignore what I'm telling you. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that this is straight up fact, but I know that I got a bull in the freezer and on the wall. <laughs> Do you think it's more of a high country thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I couldn't find, well, I didn't look really, I didn't look for anything like I didn't say, I didn't know how to, it was kind of a weird Google process. Cause I mostly was like high country elk frequency in the, or like high country elk google didn't tell me anything that chapter in the elk hunter that book that i have told just confirmed it was just a confirmation bias of like what i already thought hmm. and this author just laid it out like this they will feed into the wind and it, even though it takes them days they'll just kind of chip away at that wind pattern huh that's good and information I, man yeah it's a i I can see how that'd be comforting. Like most elk, good luck finding a consistent wind that you can yeah. follow as a herd. You know, because it was, it was every fourth day that bachelor group would come in, the the bulls, hang out together, they'd jump in the wallow, you know, and then you'd see the calves and the cows come in a few hours later, and it was still during that fourth day. They weren't together, but they're definitely in the same pattern. I've so, seen elk like. Uh, that it would take them like two weeks to do this big loop and it was like a way bigger loop. And I don't know that it had as much to do with the wind, but I could definitely see in the same, you know, thread, if this is like a pattern they keep that the cows, if the cows have that pattern, they could keep that. And it doesn't really matter if the bulls are going nuts or what they're doing. Cause I think the bulls by September 22nd are just following the cows around. Right. So they're yeah. just following it. And you know, so what you're talking about, it could be the same thing that I'm talking about, but like you're saying on a bigger scale of distance, because yeah. mine is small. The drainage, you know, uh, straight shot. If you were to range the far side of the drainage, maybe a mile. And it's, it's the head end of a major drainage. And then there's a huge bench. So, you know, it's normally, Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, and, I keep, I'd get all like midwinter, winter anxiety thinking I'm going to go in there and there's just going to be some turd camped out in there. And <laughs> I, I don't care that much. If someone else can figure out how to get in there the way I get in there and they end up hunting it and they hunt it properly, it's good for them. Yeah. You know, I'll just figure out where to go from there. I don't know. Cause I already did it. I did what I wanted to do. You know, I, I'd wanted to shoot a bull in there for three years and I, I didn't get to for the first two seasons, I figured that spot out. I never got in. Oh, I got my tent crushed. Uh, we, remember that two seasons ago, that crazy snowstorm in September? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going. I don't care. I'm going. It's going to be perfect. You know, elk are going to be going ape shit. It's going to be incredible. So I pack in and it's just pounding snow. I'm like, ah, it'll let up. It'll let up. <laughs> Dude, 
10 inches of wet, heavy snow, just caving my tent in the next morning. And I still was going to try and hunt. I, I like walked to the edge of this clearing, bugled. Well, what was really crazy is I heard, I could have swore I heard two bulls just going at it. I know I did. I just never got eyes on them the night before, like right at last light after I set up my tent. I just heard, and two bulls are fighting 200 yards from camp, but never saw them. And then I heard one bull respond to me the next morning, and I looked out to where it came from, and I was, I was like scared. I was like, nope, I'll, I'll just get killed back here. It's if. If I don't get killed by the elements, you know, of exposure or whatever, um, I'm going to be freaking out and an avalanche will kill me because it was, you know, it's that slick, slick bear grass, uh, you know, the last 500 feet of hiking to get to the top of that ridge. And if I, I could kick something off easy, I was scared. That area is scary and unpredictable. You want to hunt it in nice textbook September. Yeah. Because I'd love to, I'd love to mule deer hunt it too. But I, it's too much snow. When when the deer finally start getting in there and really rutting, they they push snow with their chest, and I God. it's just it's exhausting. Dude, what have you found with like uh, big snows like that? When I was so I was in the wilderness that year when it when we got hammered, and it was interesting because I remember that night we were rut fest and it was snowing and it was getting dark and I was like this is epic and balls were still screaming. The yeah. next morning, nothing, not a peep. I couldn't find a bugle. Couldn't buy one. Yeah, and to me, that's you know, that's the way she goes. I don't know what it is. You give them sleet, they're going crazy. Yeah. You give them nice light snow with a crisp breeze, they're going crazy because it's usually the first one of the year. And in every animal, especially in their rut cycle, loves that weird weather, that dramatic weather change. Yeah. Of something about a snow that sticks. <laughs> turns elk soft like they just nope don't want to do anything yeah like i've seen them feeding together like their yeah. rut ends for a little while yep and it'll come back i had that too i was in oregon one year and i th it started snowing at night and i thought for sure it was just going to be epic the next day was going to be the most epic bugle fest ever and i remember i get up i'm bugling i'm bugling i'm like working in and i come to his meadow and there's like two bulls feeding across the meadow and i like cow call and they don't even pick their heads up. They're just like, what? It's November. <laughs> like, We're hanging. Yeah. We're buddies yeah. again. <laughs> and it's taken me, honestly, it's probably this conversation that's going to solidify me. Stop. I'm done. I'm done getting excited over snow because yeah. I'll still fool myself. with like, Oh no, they'll be going. Yeah. They'll be going. But like, <laughs> there was, there was a couple guys that I, that I follow that season that ended up killing bulls. Like they were rifle hunting with, with their bows that's insane during, during that snowstorm i mean because it is i mean if you can find a bull who's maybe half like half interested just to locate him and if the train's right i mean it's quiet and you play the wind it's i mean as far as, far as spot and stock it's everything you'd want like yeah. a, a, a six inches to a foot of clean cushy snow you can slip into just about anything if you play the wind right there was but, a that i think it was that year was it the year um, that year it snowed here. Was that the year that we were, you and I met actually, and we traded hats at that Onyx event? Yep. Yeah. Well, that no, that? that was the end of the very first land of the free. Yeah. You and I, so that would have been and the next uh, year. The next, the next year was the big snowstorm, which was just the year prior. Okay. So we met three years ago. 
So after that Onyx event, I ended up going hunting that next day, I think. And it was white out. It was in October. It was late, late season. And I did not expect to have bulls screaming. And it was like snowing. And I pick up some elk and I work in. And there's this bull like losing his mind coming down the hill. And I'm like, this is awesome. And there was snow on the ground. Like legit had been there snow. And he's losing his mind. And that may come back to like when it snows they just die off but then it comes back and who knows a cow could come back into heat or whatever but he was going nuts and that was god it must have been october 10th or something october was, yeah later in the season yeah so i figured you normally i would i like keeping this close to the chest because i like <laughs> to be the only one in the woods october 5th yeah and all the guys that get burnt out are like i'll wait till rifle yeah but I, your subscribers are probably gung ho enough that they're already in there but tell you what if i could pick two dates to hunt elk during the rut for me it'd be set the week the week of september 15th and then the first week of october that fifth i love that rut cycle something about the bulls and i mean you can all i've i've never hunted roosevelt's but the way I've always heard people talk about how Roosevelt's behaving, they're, yeah. they're like, they're weird, aggressive, violent behavior towards each other. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've hunted out here long enough to where, you know, you got to coax bulls sometimes. Yep. Like, yep. They are weird, timid. They can be mid rut and still not want to fight. Yep. And I've heard that those Ro- Roosevelt's, you get within a couple hundred yards and chirp at them. They're coming. They're going to kill you. Yeah. So that type of behavior, which is what every elk hunter in the world wants it, I've seen that type of behavior more times in October than I have in September. And there's guys that have been, you know, my, my dad knows a guy that hunts a, a same consistent ridge um, quite a bit. And multiple times he'll be tagged out during archery and just be hunting whitetails or something with his rifle. And bulls will be torching off and he'll walk in on bulls. Just bulls that are being weird. They'll be like feeding, maybe rub a bit bugle not have anything with them but they're just still agitated they're like just pissed off yeah annoyed a little pent up they got they're kind of kind of backed up from what they needed through this or something you know i don't know (laughs) so yeah the guys that i don't know man i i tell i don't tell everyone that but i tell my friends that that are like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna do that i'm gonna what are you doing for halloween and i've always said extra cycle i kind of hang it on the cows to keep those bulls mm-hmm. um wanting to fight and wanting to talk yeah because there's guys i know a couple dudes that have shot bulls with their rifle first week of rifle season and they're bugling yeah yeah no for sure it, and uh I think the biggest thing is like everyone gives up, dude. October first, if you get if it's snowing and it's cold and it sucks, by the time you put in four weeks and then all of a sudden now you're like fighting the snow and freezing temperatures here, it's like no one's bow hunting. Dude, they're all skinny and tired and greasy hair and they're just like I don't know, I might sleep in and shower and get some stuff done around the house and I'm (laughs) if I'm not tagged out, I am going. I love October. And but there is something to be said for October hunting. Um, it gets better the deeper you go. So will like what I killed that bull. I guess it was opening day a rifle. Um, in the bob, and he was there was six mature bulls going crazy that that opening day. But that was four miles into the bob. Um, 
and also weirdly river i think this has to do with private so like if you're hunting boundary elk so like big ranches where they might venture on the public for me it was a river bottom spot it was like it was river bottom that met sage and there's a there's a big ranch and they would come down in the the river bottom that was public and those bulls will go till november or like straight up rutting like cows getting bred they'll it's almost like the bulls keep them in estrus just because yeah there's so many that that herd was also huge too so that's something to keep in mind so maybe herd numbers if you're hunting like a big herd i think their rut cycle might go longer because they're not probably not having to travel longer distances to find those and those statistically cows. if you have a shit ton of cows it's going to be hard for all those cows to get bred in september so then they'll pop back up in october right that'd probably be more of a biologist question but i would assume if a cow doesn't get bred she's going to go into a second, if not third estrus cycle. Cause that's just nature. You yeah. Know, I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I mean, it's science. We could Google it, but it's science. I'm not going to, <laughs> but you know, what's funny is I'm, I'm going to hunt that same basin this season at some point. I'd really like to be in there. Oh, man, if we have a late, like, like calm fall as far as weather, I'd love to be in there once during rifle, whether it's with my tag or somebody um, for a mule deer. So what's your uh, thought on season dates? Do you like to hold on to your tag a little bit longer? Normally, I'd say no, absolutely not. Um, Just get I, it when I, you can get it. I loved being tagged out last year. It felt great rolling into rifle and – but I also like hunting with a lot of like other people. So guys that are, I don't know. It, it felt, it's like a yes and no kind of deal. Um, mule deer, I'm not in a hurry. Elk, if a good bull is in front of me, I'm shooting it. Are you hunting with a trad bow again this year? Yeah. I only, my dad retired last, last summer and this will be his first archery season in like 20 years. Cause you, worked for the forest service and he hadn't been hunting so he took my compound he's going to be bow hunting with that thing i haven't shot that compound in a while so really? i only i only as far as archery goes i only hunt with a recurve was that like a big commitment to just like set down the compound and just go recurve well i didn't fully commit so damn it's been four years now i've had my bow that chester made me for four years um and the first season, I even killed a whitetail last year with my compound. So I wasn't, I'm not like full travel. I, I was full on elk. I haven't hunted elk with a compound in four years. Um, yeah, I, it wasn't hard. Now it's easy. I'm like, that's all I want to do. All I want now after shooting stuff with my recurve and getting like semi consistent and confident, I don't want to. It's not that I'm above a compound, and I love just the consistency of it. I love stepping out and just flinging arrows with it, but there's just something about shooting animals with that recurve that I don't care. <laughs> and plus, you know, with our seasons in Montana, I got so much time. Yeah. Okay, I'm not. I have sweet rifles. I'm gonna go rifle hunting. Yeah. You know, if I don't fill tags with my bow. But what's really cool is I have all all archery elk hunt all September. But I have my general deer license that I'm going to hunt mule deer with. And then I drew an extra archery buck tag that I drew last year. So optimistically, I'll hunt elk through September. First week of October, I'll hopefully actually call for someone. Because like I said, I won't be in the woods. But going forward, I found this apple tree on this island 
on the river that I'm going to hang a camera on to see what's going on there. Cause I went in there late October when all the apples got mushy, when I found the tree and there's just these giant golden apples hanging off this tree and just, just a mud fest under the tree where all the deer were. So I'd really liked it. And then it's pine trees all around it. So I'm going to hang a stand with my, for my recurve to try and shoot a whitetail in October with my recurve and then hunt, um, mule deer all November. November my rifle did you kill the good buck last year on that is that the same tree no i haven't hunted it yet oh really i thought you killed a whitetail last year under a tree oh nice whitetail but it was in the it was in the river bottom it just wasn't on that tree mm. found that but later that was a that was like the first week of december and that's then right. I, that's right i killed that whitetail before work with my compound <laughs> buck i'd never seen he was nice and i chased him all around and um finally he held up and he's sparring this little four corn in this in this little chunk of water and i sh- shot him <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> but i'm kind of done doing that running gun i mean it was cool and like totally legal and is is like it's fun but it uh, i kind of want like mine me to be more like slow and steady this season like meticulous like okay i got these these bowls these specific bowls that i'm going for i'd like to narrow down a white tail, a specific white tail that hopefully is hitting that tree. Once I pull the camera and see what's going on in there, and then mule deer, I don't have, a, I don't have a target deer. Yeah. I don't have actually, I don't have a target anything right now. But hopefully by the time it's we're ready, I will. What advice would you give your whatever year old self when it comes to elk hunting? Slow down. What do you mean by that? Just like how I was talking, how it took me an hour to work in on all those elk. Yeah. Myself three, four years ago, maybe even a little bit, a couple years ago would have bombed straight in there and closed the distance as fast as I could. I would, I would have, I wouldn't, I maybe would have checked the wind once and be like, okay, it's good. And rather than checking it, because if I hadn't checked it again in like five minutes when I was working in on those elk, I had, I would have been walking for probably 10 minutes with it at my back. Yeah, and it was just like the sit back, take a deep breath. What's the wind doing? How am I going to get in here undetected? And to be honest, back in the day, I might have even called at them just to get them going because it's fun. Yeah. But I've just, you know, your heart's still just going crazy, adrenaline's going because it's just it's what we think about, you know, three sixty five, twenty four seven. But in that moment, if you really want to punch that tag, for me. I got to just take that deep breath and really just look, just look at what they're doing and, you know, the patterns of where they're headed, what the wind's doing. For me, it's all about patience and slowing down. And if I was hunting with my current self from my younger self, I would probably hated me. It'd be annoying. (laughs) You know, what the heck are you doing? Let's get in here. So now it's just. Do you you think hunting with the recurve has changed that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Probably. I would say so. Um, I think maturity too. Um, yeah. Maybe maturing a little bit. Um, no way. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But uh, probably, yeah, because there's so many things. You know, what? there's a, some, some saying that's like 99 things need to go right to kill a bull. You yeah. know, that takes one variable to not. I swear it's doubled. It's not doubled with the recurve. If you find the right bull, if you find the right elk, and you do it properly, 
and you practice, practice, you know, you can't just go in there not totally dialed. But I'm just as confident with my recurve now that I was with my compound. You just have to get make sure it's a little closer. But I hunt different type of terrain and different type of elk. I hunt farther in where they're less pressured and they're more likely to be aggressive. You know, show those aggressive tendencies where they're going to run in on me or, you know, close their own distance rather than being call shy or anything. Um, and I hunt thicker understory stuff. So brush, deadfall, things that if I do it slow and right and play the wind, I can slip in and they're going to have to cut that distance a little closer than if I'm open, you know, hunting more mature pine or sage, you know, open visible areas. They got to get in on, on top of me. Yeah. The more open the country, I mean, like that's why bulls hang up at a hundred yards. If they expect to see something, they should see something at a hundred yards. They're going to hang up at a hundred yards. Um, that's why like Roosevelt's, I think when you hunt Roosevelt's, I don't know that a trad bow or a compound makes a whole lot of difference. If you're if you can shoot 40 yards with your, your recurve, you're going to do fine hunting Roosevelt's because most shots are under 30 anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, and actually funny because I asked uh, Fred Eichler that one time and he said that he didn't think it made any difference to him because he could shoot a recurve much faster and wouldn't get caught as many times. Because with a compound, you, you really got to draw before and you're like causing this movement where with a recurve, you can have a much more fluid movement. I agree. Yeah. And I, you know, I've read quite a bit of guys that hunt that coastal stuff, um, ferns and cedars jungle stuff because that's what i try and find now because it's an advantage for me you know yeah another reason that i if i tag out early i can go hunt because i love sagebrush and i love big mature ponderosas like you understory that you can really see and if i'm hunting with guys with compounds or calling for them or doing whatever it gives me an opportunity to hunt that you know but as of right now i have no interest in hunting sage country coolie country <laughs> i'm not going to the breaks anytime soon with my yeah my, my trad bow um, I'll tell you right now, if I drew a 410 bull tag or something, I, that's as far as archery equipment goes, um, I would hunt with my trad bow. Same deal with a sheep, any special tag, uh, during the times that I can hunt with my bow, it's, it's all, it's all with my recurve just cause I know what, how crazy fulfilling it'd be if I sealed the deal with that thing. <laughs> You're crazy, man. I do think it makes you a better hunter. Like I'm not willing to do it yet. Like it's fun to shoot. But I'm not willing to like commit to that. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy too because I talk about you know oh fill the freezer and it's like well if you really like filling the freezer Rex you'll put that stupid stick down you'll yeah. hunt with most you know you know with the equipment that you're most probable to get something with and yeah. for me it's a rifle and I have a month to do that which is great you know yeah. and I you know my dad's rifle hunted his whole life with me and he's taught me a bunch of cool stuff so I'm pretty you know, dialed when it comes to rifle hunting and elk behavior come November, late October, that it's okay if I don't take, I, I want to punch a tag with my bow every year, but more than likely it's not going to happen. Dude, it's funny. Cause like, uh, now that I live here, I, you almost, I almost like don't want to punch my tag in September, like in archery season. Cause like, I kind of like hunting bulls late season. It's fun. And they're, and breed. They're cool. It's a just totally different hunt. It's not even comparable. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the same way. I'm like, I, I could punch my archery tag or I could not. The only difference is like, I do want to fill an archery tag every year. That's just awesome. Love punching our, you know, punching archery tag, filling that. I love doing that, 
but I'd have to like go to a different state, punch an archery tag. Then I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll save my Montana for rifle season. Right. That's what I was going to say. I feel like the move would be probably go hunt Idaho yeah. during three, maybe shoot a bull. There. Yeah, for sure. So it's close and you can learn it quick and then come back and rifle rifle Montana since I've moved here is a lot harder than I thought though. It's a, it's a battle. If you want to find that's what's so, what's, what's so fun to me about rifle hunting Montana though. If you want to find a mature bull, there's a chance that they're in the bottom of a drainage way high. Like I said, pushing, pushing snow with their chest. Yeah. Like the, these, these mature bulls right now, it, they're not even they're not even wintering anymore hang on one sec sorry <laughs> so these uh some of these like some of the biggest bulls that i'm finding at least in western montana um they'll hang out in the bottom of the drainage where most like you would picture them bailing and getting out to lower country to feed and stuff they're eating twigs and weird little brush and like moving 10 yards a day that's and insane that's, that's like cool to me. That's really cool to find, and their coats get so awesome, like golden and thick. I just I got a rifle bull two seasons ago, and my dad got it tanned for me for Christmas, and I just got it back a couple weeks ago, and it's just you know the guard hair on its back's eight inches long, you know that super chocolate dark brown, and then uh, yeah. he's just golden. They just turn a cool. There's a, like I, like you said, a different species of elk almost. What's your favorite ant- week to rifle hunt in Montana? second to last week or last week oh wow like brutal cold 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 painful snow levels um chaining up like on all fours and getting into areas that you the guys are like no i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt like normal uh you you know the spots though or like everyone everyone and their dogs glassing because these bulls are moving to some big private where it's historical like winter range and everyone's trying to catch them in between like those bulls aren't going the big bulls aren't crossing that well you're talking about stuff that i'm not familiar with (laughs) (laughs) you know they i know they have that stuff in bozeman and where where you like to hang out but there's like you said that there's one ranch that i'm picturing um in western montana like around here and that's a that's a draw draw unit and so when those elk inevitably do move through that public it's like you look at a bald hillside and it's just red streaks gut pile red streak gut pile red streak and it's crazy um that would be fun oh that's what you know the bitter used to be like that too um Dude, the spot i'm thinking of is closer to you than me really and <laughs> I, I don't know it <laughs> i'm you know why i don't know is i'm chained up on all four hanging out in a weird hard area that uh you know it's tougher tougher to get get into than most want to deal with uh yeah and montana rifle elk season is yeah chain up way too many times and inevitably i never chain up until it's like i'm sliding backwards in four-wheel drive like yep that would have been a good time to chain up about now (laughs) yeah it's a process and it's annoying but i don't know it's just kind of it's just a weird and i do it to myself it's just like it's a gritty old style of hunting that like you got your come along and you got your chainsaw, you know, because it's usually a road that somebody hasn't been in since, you know, mid-October, since the weather hit. 
Some might be Deadfall. I don't know. It's just like a fun. Dude, is there a, is there any truth to the third storm Montana rule? Because when I first moved here, someone told me like you got to wait till the third storm. Uh, that uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that's true, but not for the, it's not true for the biggest bowls. Yeah, it's true for elk numbers for sure. So it's you know there, it's usually that you'll get like, like an early October, like down in the valleys you'll get dusted maybe two inches, but then yeah. up high. It's pretty harsh for the animals, but they'll weather that no problem. Second storm, they're like, all right, starting to think about maybe bumping down a little bit lower. And then that third, it's just like waves of animals. But the biggest bulls are like, I don't care. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming out until February. <laughs> <laughs> These elk are crazy. I've, You know, there's been sheds getting picked up lately in drainages that are like, they're dropping back here. There's like eight feet of snow. That's insane. And that's, again, my experience. Um, but I'm, like, obsessed with the thought of finding one of those bulls during general because it means – That's you know. rifle season to me is finding the bull that no one knows about that's by himself in a stupid hole that's, like, semi-retarded dangerous to get to. Like, that's right. the one. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I mean, kind of like that old gritty style of just, like, like yeah. is this is this dumb? Did I tell my, you know? Did I tell my wife where my truck's parked and I drop <laughs> where I'm going? Because yeah. she's the one that knows where I'm going. Uh, you know, this is a risk. That's awesome, dude. Uh, so, game plan this year is head back to the same spot. Uh, at least one good one good weekend um, during archery for sure. Um, but I just have. I've got some local spots um, that I have lined out that I'll hunt like weekends, but I'd like to put, I'd like to put like four days, maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in at that spot that I killed my bull last year because I don't have them patterned this year like I want. I know I can locate a vocal bull in that one drainage, but as far as on that bench, I don't know if I'll be able to kill one on that bench. Um, How does hunting just the weekends differ from hunting a 10 day stretch? Well, if I'm in somewhere 10 days, I'm, um, it better be great because I'm going to be pretty annoyed, but that's come kind of comes with patience. You know, maybe that's different now that I'm trying to find a little more pain. But if, if I'm in somewhere 10 days, it's probably, uh, each day represents a mile I am in. So 10 miles in, and I'm probably going to be in a wilderness area. So that's, I don't know, man, I've never, I've, I've put in an eight day hunt. And it was awesome because it was great every yeah. single day pretty much. But say three days of slow. If I'm doing t- a 10-day hunt and there's three days of slow, I better be on a sheep hunt in AK. Because <laughs> there's the- too many places that I can just bail. I've got too many waypoints that I can just be like, all right, first two days, it is dead in here. And maybe on day 10, it would just light up and I'd kill a bull. But I'm not staying long enough to find out. Well, I, dude, I remember like uh, hunting weekends and stuff and – that sounds really spoiled of me. Uh, when I used to hunt weekends and shit, uh, but it's always tough because like you get in on elk and then you have to wait a week and you're like, ah, and then everything changes. Like you think you just got it figured out and then everything changes. But if you're bouncing around from spot to spot, it doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. I call it uh, spot ADD and it's, um, guys have been with me and I, I think guys have been frustrated, but the problem is, is I know what it, you know, I know I killed my very first bull when I was a kid. I haven't spot ADD. Yeah. You know, I went in somewhere and 
I was like, I had this whole game plan for a month. So I was like, hey, this is going to be awesome. And I went in and it was 80 degrees and there wasn't there wasn't a track in the dust. And I'm like, nope, we're out. And my buddy who I was with was like, cool, done, let's leave. Yeah. And we went to the next spot that I knew would probably held out, killed a bull. Uh, <laughs> Josh Keller and Ty Stubblefield, no. Josh thought I was the biggest whiny baby. This is opener of rifle. One season, it was like, oh, I don't know if it was opener. It felt like opener, though. Again, 70 degrees in October or maybe second weekend in November. It was hot, hot. And uh, I was hunting an area with them, and I'm like, I'm out. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm out. And they you know, they kept hunting, and they, I ended up turning some, bull, some bulls up, I think, but I went and killed one. I, was, <laughs> I went. It was yeah. seven miles in the opposite direction, but I knew – I didn't know I was going to kill one, but I knew the probability of me finding out there was higher. For me, some people might hate on me and say, oh, you got spot ADD, you got to commit. For me, staying mobile is key. Dude, that's huge. And it's interesting because you'll talk about like patience for spot ADD. And I think people get confused about that. But like that is key right there. You, you talk about like, man, just bounce around, bounce around. But like having – it's like – macro ADD or macro mobility, but micro patience. So you're being yep. patient in the spots you're at, but if it's like not good, I'm out. Yep. And it, I immediately peg it with the not good. Yeah. But I mean, the day that I'm talking about with Josh, I mean, we put in miles and hit every single drainage that should hold elk. And not only we were not hearing them, that's okay. It was like opening day, yeah. whatever. We weren't seeing tracks. We weren't seeing anything. And I'm like, dude, I got to go. There's no <laughs> And they, I think they ended up bailing that night. And that's another key to uh, being mobile. Travel at night. I'll never travel during waking <laughs> hours. Like on the road while I could be in the woods during legal light would drive me crazy. So I travel at night. Dude, like that is huge. I don't know how many times. Like when I think of hunting, what, some of my most – most of my memories are around like listening to Gary Allen at midnight, 1am, 2am, whatever it is, driving, always driving, like the middle of the night, try to get somewhere. Yeah. And that'll like, that's funny that you associate that with music for me, for me, music, I'm picturing heading to Eastern Montana. Cause that, that's always a big one. Cause that's like yeah. eight hours driving at night, Yep. but you're just cycling through playlist after playlist, just yep. listening to good music, but it's just exciting. You're not like, tapping the steering wheel, just rocking. Yeah. We're going, Dude. but when it's a, you know, September and traveling at night, for me, it's exciting because, you know, you turn off the pavement, off the highway, you hit, you turn on your dims, you hit that gravel road and you're like, all right, then you get higher, you got the window down, you feel the temperature drop, then you just creep up to your parking spot and then you just stand there and you're just listening, listening. Sometimes you'll hear one torch in the distance. You're like, all right, let's Dude, you know, it's game time. Like, oh man, I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh man, getting pumped for season. Dude, that first day, like just heading out, man. Like I smelled it the other day because it's like starting to get close. And I, like, there's just September has a smell, man. September, gravel roads, like it just has a smell. For it, me, a lot of that smell is fires. Like, you know, oh, really? often, you know, I start to smell, like, if you can smell the forest fire in the air when you're in town or just out and about, for me, that's usually like, all right. You know, late size I, in my brain, you know, associate that with about it's about to be go time. Then it's the evenings, late August. You're like, man, it's hot, man, it's hot. But then sometimes like at nine, something will break and you're like, oh, that's a nice throwing a lightweight hoodie or, you know, yeah. especially 
especially if you're in the woods, you know, sun goes behind the hill and all of a sudden it's crisp and cold compared to that muggy hot. Yeah, it's a fun time. Dude, it's so close too. I know. I got to shoot. Uh, all right, buddy. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you again. Good luck this season. We need to connect and, and get do some hunting together. Uh, you can show me your spots whenever. <laughs> as long as you travel at night. Yeah. Blindfolded, handcuffed in the in the in the trunk. Uh, all right, dude. Well, thank you again. Good luck this season. Uh, hope you get a big one, man. Thanks, dude. It was good talking to you. All right. Hey, working. Uh, folks, catch, check some pictures on your insta into the gram. What's yeah, your gram? Dude, uh, Rex K Wolf. You just search Rex Wolferman. Um, you'll you'll find me. That uh that elk hunt that we talked about in the beginning that bull last year. I got a little one minute video of that, and then I, I have a full length on YouTube. It's uh-huh. not like professional good, but it's it's decent. You see me kill that bull, so you can get a little visual along with the story if you want. Yeah, what's uh, the YouTube channel? Rex Wolferman is that too. Nice. And then also for plugging stuff, um, I just started a new endeavor. I'm um, I'm the social media coordinator for Clearwater Montana Properties. They're a, they're a ranch broker here in Western Montana, but they go nice. Yeah, they go you know into Eastern Montana. They they specialize just kind of in high end. Um, ranch properties so if uh we're gonna be doing quite a few things i'll talk to you about that later too but uh clearwater montana properties i'm gonna be doing a lot of my stuff rather than on my personal instagram i'll, I'll do a lot of stuff on there so nice. I want to... Heck and yeah. inside look on what's going on as far as land sales and you know housing you know here in montana if you're thinking about making the leap yeah dude hit, hit rex up for sure he's a good dude well he's okay let's not fucking make <laughs> his head bigger than it is <laughs> all right uh, I'll talk to you later on. Uh, Later, man.